Hello there, and welcome to episode 6 of the Baseball Ramble Podcast. Um, I am back from my hiatus, and so is baseball. That means we have a lot of stuff to cover, as opening day was just 24 hours ago for me as I'm recording this. Um, I have a lot to cover on this podcast, as you would expect after being gone for roughly five months. We have Mookie Betts' ginormous contract extension with the Dodgers. We have a few injuries involving guys like Clayton Kershaw and Juan Soto. I will be revealing my predictions for the MLB season, including my playoff bracket and who I believe will be winning awards. And I'll be covering the the players you should watch after opening day. I am recording this the day after opening day. This is going to be uploaded while games are going on on Saturday. So... I'm not going to be able to tell you what's happening on Saturday, but I will be able to recap um, the few games that were on Thursday and the full day of baseball on Friday. But first, we're going to cover huge game-changing news. The MLB has expanded the playoffs from 10 teams to 16 teams. Um... Just to cover the facts first before I start giving my opinions on this. The way this will work is eight teams from each league will make the uh, will make the playoffs. If you finish top two in your division, you're guaranteed to be uh, somewhere in the one through six seed. And then the seven and eight seed in each league will be the two best records from teams that are not a first or second place team. So there's a lot of room to get on in the playoffs this year. And there's parts I do like about it, and there's parts I do not like about it. First, the parts I do like about it, I like the idea of of an expanded postseason, especially for this year, when this year's obviously been so abnormal I think this is the year to try it if there's going to be a year we do it this is the year because outside of this year I don't think the purists are going to allow this to ever happen uh, I, I don't love the fact the wild card round is just a best of three now Usually the best part of the first half of the playoffs is the wild card games. And it's not usually close. I can I think most people can agree the division series aren't usually too uh, spectacular. But I, I the, again, I'm very conflicted. I think it's fine. I, I think it would be better, let's say we put in 14 teams. Um, or even 12 teams, uh, 12 teams with eight, eight wild card. Like what if we had, um, two wild card games from each league? I think that would be really interesting. 
I don't love the fact that the Dodgers can face an eight seed in the first round and in a three game series almost anything can happen last in the last season the Orioles probably the second worst team in baseball beat the Yankees who were one of the top teams in baseball in a three game series anything could happen I think there's going to be at least one major upset for sure in the first round of this year's playoffs and I think if one of the um, top 10 teams don't win this year's World Series, let's say a 6, 7, or 8 seed wins the World Series, I think there will definitely be an asterisk. I think it depends on the team. I think if the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Astros or the Twins or the Braves or any teams like that, if they win a World Series, I think everybody will act like it's normal. But if the Diamondbacks or the Brewers or the Phillies or the White Sox win the World Series, I don't think people are going to view this year very positively due to the fact a team that is likely not a top 10 team in baseball has won the World Series. And it's different. Like This is basically the same playoff format now as the NBA um playoffs wise not those seeding but the playoff tournament it's a 16 team tournament now and that's about it nothing too special about it but the thing with the nba is it's a seven game series which is a lot more sample size it's harder for a team to upset and also the level of the number uh the difference between a number 1 seed and a number 8 seed in the N- uh, the NBA is so much different than what it would be in baseball, and baseball just baseball just has more upsets in general. So I just I'm not gonna be happy if the Yankees get knocked out in the first round because I want to I I watch the playoffs to watch the best teams, not the eighth best team in the league. I watch the playoffs to watch the best teams in the league face off each other when it matters most. So that's my thoughts on it. Uh, I'll give my predictions later down the line to the exact seeding, tell you who's going to win every single um, series all the way up to the World Series. But first, before we get into what's going on around the league, we have an extension to cover. Mookie Betts has signed a 12-year, $365 million deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers, it's the second biggest contract in MLB history behind Mike Trout, and the third biggest, um, the third biggest sp- sports contract in history behind, obviously Mike Trout and Patrick Mahomes. So this is a big deal. I honestly, it didn't get too much uh, coverage. I don't think it. I would have think I would have thought this would be a bigger deal especially in the slow news cycle we're kind of in right now. Betts deserves easily every penny of this, in my opinion. I actually think there's an argument he was underpaid based on the market. He's only His deal's only $35 million more than Bryce Harper. So when you do the math, Mookie Betts is only going to be making 
almost three million dollars more than Bryce Harper, and Bryce Harper is a great player, but Mookie Betts is the second best player in baseball. I I'm I think if the circumstances were different, I think this would be a four hundred million dollar contract. I think it would not beat Trout, but I think it would be in the four hundred million dollar range. But still, a solid deal for Betts. I'm sure he just wanted any kind of financial stability that he deserved. He wasn't going to take a scrub deal, obviously. And it's actually a little ironic because he had told the Red Sox he's going to go to free agency, but I'm assuming the Red Sox were never going to offer him something like that based on the fact they've extended Bogarts, they've extended Sale, they'll need to pay guys like Devers down the line and Eduardo Rodriguez. Um... Betts, Betts wasn't as good last year as you would normally expect from him, but I think he will. Def- I think he's going to be much better this year in his short time, sixty game period. And I'm I'm happy this isn't going to be Betts's only season with the Dodgers, because it kind of would have been anticlimactic for that huge trade to happen, and he plays sixty games in a Dodgers uniform plus playoffs. So last year, Mookie hit 295 with a 391 on base and a 524 slugging percentage. He had 29 home runs, 80 RBIs, um, a 135 weighted runs created plus, so he was 35% above league average hitting-wise. He had a 380 weighted on base average and a 406 expected weighted on base average, which shows... He did underperform a little. He could have been better, and I do think that'll come to fruition. The Red Sox lineup, despite they missed the playoffs last year, it was actually a really good lineup um, with him being around Bogarts and J.D. Martinez and um, Devers. Those are four really good players. Um, but now he's around Cody Bellinger and Mookie uh, Cody Bellinger and Justin Turner and Corey Seager and Jock Peterson uh, and Max Muncy. Insane. That Dodgers team is insane. And that's why I think he, that's part of the reason I think he's going to be better this season. He had a 6.6 uh, war, which is elite, obviously. He had a 7 uh, outs above average, which is a statistic you can get on uh, Baseball Savant. It took just tells you how above average they are defensively uh he i think he's hit around 18 oaa before so seven's a he wasn't as good defensively last year either i've noticed because 16 drs uh 16 defenses were unsaved 12.6 ultimate zone rating i think he's at higher marks in every single one of those defensive stats before so i could see if this was a full season, I honestly wouldn't have a problem predicting bets at the 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 floor a six war player. It, and I might I, he's going to be an MVP candidate. I think that's for sure. Now we're going to get on some uh, minor minor deals going on around the league. I like to talk about these because these every once in a while these mean something, and a lot of times these are guys we've had experiences with in the past. For example, uh, the Royals are nearing a deal with starting pitcher Matt Harvey. It was also said that he was having negotiations with his former team to have a reunion with the Mets, but it sounds like he was just looking for 
what he felt would give him the most opportunity to get innings in at the major league level, though the Mets rotation isn't particularly strong right now. If he was any way decent, which is a lot to ask for, I realize, for Matt Harvey, but still, that Mets rotation isn't great either, but the Royals is probably worse. So if he's just trying to make his money and get get into a better team for 2021, I see the reasoning. Matt Harvey really hasn't been good in a while. If you look at the numbers, um, he's, over the past three seasons, he's only combined for 0.4 war. So over the last three seasons, he's basically averaged nothing. Like, he, he just has no value. Um, and he really hasn't been good since 2015, and it's really unfortunate. Uh, he he looked like he was going to be a stud. Uh, that Mets rotation had so much potential. I would love to see that Mets team if DeGrom, Syndergaard, Wheeler, and Harvey all hit their primes at the same time. That, I, that would have been Nationals rotation levels of craziness, but never happened. Another thing, I'm sure Cubs fans are expecting this guy to hit like 30 home runs for them in the 60 game season because they overrate every single person they have have ever seen but this is a Derek they've signed Derek Dietrich a utility man he can play basically anywhere to a minor league deal uh he looks pretty good home runs and RBIs wise 19 home runs and 43 RBIs but you dig deep into the numbers I mean, I guess even if you're a batting average guy, I'm not. He hit under 200. Don't love that. He had an on-base percentage below 330. You don't love that. Uh, his weighted runs created, he was only 2% above league average hitting-wise. Um, he was worth about one war last, last season, which was the third highest mark of his career. I don't expect him to get too much playing time with the Cubs. Uh, I'm actually going to look at what position he played most last season. And it looks like he played 119 innings at first base. Um, oh, he played a lot of second. He looks like he's going to play a lot of second base and first base. The Cubs aren't going to need the first base help with Rizzo. I guess I could see Dietrich kind of platooning you could say with Kipnis, though I would still expect Kipnis has a lot of those at-bats. I, I don't expect this to have too much of an impact. I'm sure he'll hit a clutch homer at least once this season and everybody will freak out about it. But other than that, he's not going to have too much of an impact. It's kind of a minor signing. Though I do like this. The Braves have acquired former Reds outfielder. I kind of forgot this guy existed. Scott Shebler. I forgot he existed. He was horrible in 2019 and got sent down to AAA. He had a 30 WRC+. Plus. He was worth negative 0.6 war. He had a 475 OPS. He hit 123. All of those are ugly. But the sample size, 95 plate appearances, is not a lot. He's been above average uh, he's been at least average every other year of his career, hitting-wise. Now, overall, he's 
usually about a one-win player. I don't expect, again, I don't expect this to be anything huge, just like Dietrich, just like Harvey. But this is something you should be aware of. The Braves did try to get Yasiel Puig earlier, as many of you probably know. That didn't work out due to COVID-19 reasons. Scott Shebler, it's a decent pickup. He's probably not... I mean, he might recover maybe half of the value Nick Marcakis would have brought, which is better than none. I, uh, The projection systems have him all over the place, though. Steamer doesn't even project Scott Shebler to make the roster. Um, but Zips projects him to play in 41 of the 60 games with 159 plate appearances. So he might get a lot of playing time. He might get no playing time. I guess we'll see. I would lean towards the no playing time. Though I think this guy can be an av- your, an average um, guy off the bench. He can be your average hitter. Um, if you look at his splits, not too much to look at there. Um, so now we're going to go on to the kind of the sad stuff before we get on to the exciting stuff. Injuries. No one likes talking about injuries, but they're important. We're, I'm going to skip by them pretty fast. I'm not going to dread on them too long. First up, you got the Braves have placed starting pitcher Cole Hamels on the 45-day injured list with a triceps issue. You do not love to see that. Uh, they spent a decent amount of money on him. It, I wouldn't be shocked if he misses the season at this point. 45 days is three-fourths of the season. That's a lot of time. At this point, they're not expecting him to be back until probably mid-September. Yeah, I, I, I would not be shocked to say goodbye to Cole Hamels until 2021. We also got the Dodgers right before he was meant to make his opening day start. Clayton Kershaw. Placed on the 10-day injured list with back stiffness. It looks like it's not too bad, though. They're expecting him right after the 10 days goes up. I think they're expecting to call him back up. We also have an update on Mets starting pitcher Marcus Stroman, who was placed on the IL shortly before the season. He had a tear in his calf. Apparently, he didn't think it was very serious, but ended up being not great. Um... But the Mets need this guy to do anything in 2020. Uh, you look at their rotation right now, it is not impressive. You got DeGrom, who's awesome. After that, you got Steven Matz, Rick Purcello, Michael Waka, Corey Oswald. That is not a division-winning rotation. I understand they kind of switched this year. Their, their rotation went from great to not great, and their lineup went from fine to actually pretty good um i think some people are sleeping on the mets this season though if marcus stroman doesn't get it back on the mound i might be sleeping as well just saying to the mets we also got red sox starting pitcher eduardo rodriguez very unfortunately shut down with a heart condition worrying that uh covid19 complications were causing this heart condition to kind of make an issue in Red Sox camp. That's unfortunate for Rodriguez and the Red Sox as sales out for the season. Rodriguez is kind of their ace. So that's really rough for the Red Sox. I don't even know if I want to take a look at their rotation right now because I'm sure it's really ugly. But the biggest 
news so far, I think baseball can easily say for uh, COVID-19, the day of opening day, this was really unfortunate. Nationals outfielder Juan Soto tested positive for COVID-19. You hate to see it, and that's not sarcasm. It really sucks to see the 21-year-old stud who's one of the fastest up-and-coming stars in this game go out with coronavirus. Might be out for two weeks. I've read things about the fact it might they might be false positives. He might not actually be sick because he's been asymptomatic. And his uh, testing results have been very inconsistent. I think he's already tested negative twice. But then he tested positive again. Something like that. Something crazy like that. I'm really hoping Juan Soto gets back as soon as possible. That's one of the players baseball can't afford to lose for a long amount of time. Because he's must-see TV. Now onto an interesting subject. It finally got settled. Luckily for the Blue Jays. They were having a lot of trouble finding their home. At first, Toronto blocked them from... First, Toronto blocked them. The government blocked them from being able to play in uh, Toronto. Like, they couldn't play in Canada because they didn't want uh, to bring... Canada didn't want them to bring in U.S. cases into Canada, which is fair. So then they were like, hey, Pittsburgh, can we use your arena? And the government of Pennsylvania was like, no. So then they were like, hey, Baltimore, can we use your stadium? And the government of Maryland was like, no. So the Blue Jays finally had to resort to their AAA uh, camp in Buffalo, New York. I hope the lighting, for the sake of someone who watches nonstop baseball, I hope the lighting there is good because they were saying it's not, which is kind of weird considering that's you. That that stadium is used. The minor league players can play in not great lighting, but the major league players, uh, it's weird. I'm not gonna question it. I'm just hoping there's good lighting as a baseball fan, because I want to watch Vlad Jr. hopefully hit some bombs for my fantasy team this year in Toronto. But yeah, I. It really It's gonna suck having to play basically 60 road games, but. It's, it brings up a more, I think, interesting conversation. How big of an impact is home field advantage going to be this year, if any? Because it's been statistically hinted the reason home field advantage even exists in baseball might be because the umpire is a little biased to the home crowd, I think. Um, I heard this on the Effectively Wild podcast. Highly recommend it from Fangraphs. Like, an umpire is more likely to call... Is 1.2% more likely to call something a strike that wouldn't normally be a strike for a home team. And the theory is it's because the, cr- the crowd gets in their head, which being booed over and over again for awful calls would get in my head too, and I'd probably try to make up for it. So I don't blame them... But I, th- I think that's going to be one of the most interesting things that comes out from this year. What, how is it obvious the fans affect the game? Because we've never gotten a definitive answer, but now we might. If I, I think it would be awesome if like road team, like road teams had a better record than home teams this year. I think that'd be really cool, because usually it's not even close. Like the home team 
wins 53% of their games. Road road only wins 47% on the road. That I mean, that, that sounds close, but when you look at the grand scale of how many baseball games are played in a season, it's not really that close. But I am really looking forward. I, I think it would be really weird just to see like a road the road uh, overall record be better than home. And I think it would be really useful data. Now we're getting on we're getting on to the good part finally. We're gonna get on to my MLB season twenty twenty predictions. Um get ready for me to leave your favorite team off. And if you're a Cardinals fan, get ready for me to put you farther than you probably should be. Here are my official 2020 MLB predictions. First, we're going to start off with the seeding. Then I'm going to go into who I think is going to win the awards. And then we're going to go into my playoff bracket. I'm going to tell you who's going to win the 2020 World Series. So, starting on the American League. The number one seed for the American League and the winner of the American League East is the New York Yankees. The number two seed and the winner of the American League Central is the Minnesota Twins. The number three seed and the winner of the American League West is the Houston Trastro I mean Astros. My bad. The number four seed and the second place finisher in the American League East the Tampa Bay Rays. The number five seed and the second place finisher in the American League West, the Oakland Athletics. The number six seed and the second place finisher in the American League Central, the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, they're going to make the playoffs this year and they're going to be second place in their division. Mark my words. The number seven seed and the first American League wildcard team, the Los Angeles Angels, Praying that we see Mike Trout in the playoffs this year. He's played one playoff game in his career. That's ridiculous. It's it's utterly ridiculous. The number eight seed in the final wild card team for the American League is the Cleveland Indians. I actually have a bad feeling that I'm underrating the Indians because they still have Jose Ramirez. They still have Francisco Lindor. They still have Carlos Santana. Roberto Perez is a solid catcher. And uh, Bieber and Clevenger are extremely underrated and nasty. I might regret not putting the Indians in the sixth seed and the White Sox in the eighth seed. But it's just a gut feeling. None of this is going to happen anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Now on to the National League. The, this is probably the most predictable pick of the entire t- series. The number one seed and the winner of the National League West, the Los Angeles Dodgers. The number two seed and the winner of the National League East, the Atlanta Braves. The number three seed and the winner of the National League Central, the Chicago... No, that's not happening. The St. Louis Cardinals are going to win the division again. Trust me. The number four seed and the second place finisher... Of the National League Central. This is going to be. From what I've seen. This is going to be very controversial. Because everybody loves the Reds for some reason. But the Cincinnati Reds are my number 4 seed. Number 5 seed. And the runner up of the National League East. The Washington Nationals. That's if Juan Soto comes back. If Juan Soto comes back. I, the Nationals might be a 
seven seed. The number six seed and the runner-up of the National League West, the Arizona Diamondbacks. The projections love the Padres. I'm not the projections. I don't like the Padres this season. I think they have a great bullpen. Chris Paddock's cool. Tatis a bit overrated, but he's still cool. Machado's probably underrated, if I'm being honest. Fam's underrated. Other than that, Padres are fine. They're kind of average, in my opinion, if not below average. Number seven seed in the first National League wildcard team, the New York Mets. And the number eight seed, the final team making the playoffs. As much as it hurts to say it, the Chicago Cubs are not going to miss the playoffs if there's eight spots available. I don't care what happens. And the Milwaukee Brewers are a fourth place team. They're not good. I will go to my grave saying the Milwaukee Brewers are not good this season. They will not make a two week comeback final two week comeback like they have the last two seasons and sneak their way into the wild card game. Nah, not gonna happen. They're missing the playoffs. So that is my official playoff bracket. We'll fill that out as we go on, but I'm actually gonna tell you who's gonna be winning the rewards this the awards this season for the MLB. We're gonna start with Manager of the Year in the National League. I got Mets manager Luis Rojas. Um, the manager of the uh, year, there's a kind of a simple formula. If the team didn't make the playoffs, but has made last season, but made the playoffs this season, that's automatically a contender. And if it's a first season manager, that's even better. Luis Rojas is going to win National League Manager of the year this, year this year. Same formula, kind of, for American League Manager of the Year, except this time it's old overrated coach that everybody loves for some reason plus a team that didn't make the playoffs last season but will this season los angeles angels manager joe madden is going to win manager of the year this season now on to rookie of the year national league rookie of the year i'm not going to be boring and say Dodgers stud Gavin Lux. I'm going to go off of my eyeballs. And what my eyeballs I've seen is a dude named Dylan Carlson who's going to come up about a week from now and destroy this league and become the second best hitter on the Cardinals behind Goldschmidt. Mark my words. I'm Mark my words. American League Rookie of the Year. I think this guy's going to run away with it. Luis Robert of the White Sox. He's a stud. I, I think he's gonna be I think he's looks so much better polished already than Aloy Jimenez does. National League Cy Young Award for the third straight year. I'm not going with a bold pick. Well, this might be bold. I'm not sure. Jacob Degrom's gonna win it again, again. Jacob Degrom's taking it. He has proven to be so consistent. I. I wanted to say someone else. We'll get on to that later. DeGrom's going to win it. And American League Cy Young, this is the easiest. I would bet so much money on this. Garrett Cole's winning the Cy Young. He looked good on opening day. He's going to only get better. This I, I could see 
people are talking about how the Cy Young Award winner might have a below one ERA. If someone's going to do it, this is the guy who's going to do it. Because for the past year, this guy has looked unhittable. Consistently unhittable. Now on to the big boys, the MVPs. I'm going to get the obvious one out of the way. I'm just trying to look smart and not be wrong. And that's why I'm taking Mike Trout as my American League MVP. But for National League MVP, I'm taking a Dodger. But it's not Cody Bellinger. It's a guy I talked about earlier. Mookie Betts is going to win the National League MVP. The top two players in baseball are going to cement themselves this year as the two elite, the two top tier players in baseball. It's going to happen. But now we can get on to my playoff bracket, and this is where it's going to get spicy. First, we'll start off with the wild card round. This is a best of three. First up, we got the Yankees versus the Indians on the American League side of the bracket, and I'm taking the Yankees all day. Yankees over Indians. Indians probably have a better uh, three. Definitely, scratch that. The, over three games, they definitely have a better rotation. But Stan and Judge, I'll get into this later, they're lethal. I'm glad I have both of them on my fantasy teams because they're lethal. Uh, next up, we got the Rays versus the Athletics. I'm taking the Rays. I think the Rays have proven this, themselves in the playoffs. They almost beat the Astros last postseason. The Athletics, uh, something about them makes me want like makes me want to constantly put them in the playoffs, but I can't ever put them past the first round. And I just think it's because while they are they have their great homegrown players, they just don't have the extra spice to put them over the top and make put them into the elite team territory next up we got the twins versus the angels and i'm taking the twins as much as i would love for mike trout to advance to a different round of the playoffs the twins are they're coming this year i i'm i'm gonna take this back a few minutes from now because i'm not gonna spoil it but the Twins are really good this year. I'm just saying. And then Astros versus White Sox. I think this is actually the least likely to be a sleep. Like, uh, I think the Indians could definitely upset the Yankees. I think the Angels could definitely upset the Twins. I think the Astros are moving on. I don't see the Astros getting uh, beat by the White Sox. National League side of the bracket, wild card time. We got the Dodgers versus the Cubs. If you think I'm taking the Cubs, you are a fool. Not because I'm biased. It's because the Dodgers are probably the best-built team in baseball. The Cubs are not. I'm taking the Dodgers. Next up, we got the Reds versus the Nationals. Reds are insanely overrated this season. I will get into that after this. I'm taking the defending world champion Nationals. Next up, we got the a division here, kind of a division, a rivalry right here. Braves versus Mets. I'm taking the Braves. And then the Cardinals versus the Diamondbacks. Hey, I mean, I think that's the easy, I think that's the best matchup for the Cardinals because I'm taking the Cardinals. Uh, next up, we got our division series on the American League side. We got the Yankees versus the Rays. This is going to be. This is a best of five. Oh man, this this is the definitely the division series you should watch because this is 
this is the best one I have on my bracket. But I have to take the New York Yankees. Next up, we got the Minnesota Twins versus the Houston Astros. As much as I want to take the Minnesota Twins, I have to see the Astros-Yankees rematch. I have to. On the National League side of the bracket, we got the Dodgers versus the Nationals. Dodgers had an absolute choke job against the Nationals last year. Not going to happen again. Dodgers are going to advance. And then we got the Braves versus the Cardinals. The Cardinals have the Braves number. I'm taking the Cardinals. They're not the better team, but they've proven themselves. I think they have something about them. It might be because I'm a Cardinals fan, but I'm not going to I'm it's something about the team, not me. Wink, wink. Uh anyway, ALCS time. Yankees versus Astros rematch, and this time the Astros are not going to have their trash cans to have a backup plan for. The Yankees are going to the World Series for the first time in what feels like forever. And then we got the NLCS. The Dodgers versus the Cardinals. I can't take the Cardinals. The Dodgers are the best built team in baseball. I want to see a Dodgers-Yankees World Series so badly. I don't care if it's the prototypical series. It's it's the best possible World Series. Not only for entertainment-wise... But MLB's going to make big bucks off of that, just saying. And despite the fact I've said the Dodgers are the best-built team, I think the Yankees are the most motivated team in baseball. They're angry. They didn't win a World Series in the last decade. That's like that's like the Cubs going for 100 years without winning for the Yankees. 10 years is astronomically long for them. They're going to win this year. I think they're the most motivated team in baseball. I think they are... I think Stanton and Judge have the potential to be the best duo in baseball. If they could just... If they both reach their full potential, they challenge Trout and Rendon for the best duo in baseball. Just saying. So now we're going to get into my dark horse picks for the M- uh, for the MVPs and Cy Youngs. So, for my National League MVP dark horse pick, I'm going with Max Muncy. I think uh, this guy hit two home runs yesterday. He he might he might dr- I think he's definitely going to lead the league in something. Whether it's home runs or RBIs or OPS or or WRC+. I think he has a chance to be the best hitter in the MLB this season based on the fact he can get insanely hot at some points. And the lineup he is in has so much support around him when he's constantly surrounded by Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts, Justin Turner. It's insane. I'm taking Max Muncy for my Dark Horse NL MVP pick. And for the American League, I'm taking Matt Chapman. I actually thought about Matt Olson, and Matt Olson may or may not have hit a walk-off Grand Slam yesterday, but I'm not going to let it change my answer. I'm going to keep it Matt Chapman. If this guy can put up a get really hot and put up like a 150 to 160 WRC plus and retains his defensive ability, he's winning MVP. I think I think he got the I think if he goes off offensively. He has the MVP in the bag. 
It just depends on whether he can put himself in the upper echelon of hitters. Because if he does that, he's going to be one of the best players in baseball. Uh, like I'm saying that like he already isn't, because he is already one of the best players in baseball. Now, my Cy Young, my Cy Young Dark Horses, Shane Bieber. I had this written down before his 14 strikeouts against the Royals yesterday. This guy is nasty. He's nasty. Shane Bieber has a, such a good shot. I think he might be... I'm, I'm calling it a dark horse. If I was banned from voting for Garrett Cole as the Cy Young Award, I think I would actually vote for Shane Bieber. Because I... Oh, he... I think he is better... He has Bauer potential to me. Like what Bauer did in 2018... For this season, I don't think he's gonna put up an actual like a um, historic year and over a full season. But I think if he does, he I think he could definitely do that over a sixty game stretch, and I think that could win him NL or AL Cy Young award. Now for the NL, I mean, I can't, I can't stop being biased, but I think I've seen other people predict this. He actually is pretty high. On the Vegas odds, I think last time I checked, he was third. I think he was third in NL Cy Young odds. It's Jack Flaherty. He was tied with Walker Buehler for third behind Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, I believe, last time I checked. Jack Flaherty, he looked great last night. He had one tough inning, but other than that, he was mowing down those Pirates like they were nothing. Um, to, to be fair, most of them are nothing. But, I mean, hey, they have Josh Bell and Brian Reynolds. Those are two very good players. Jack Flaherty, what, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he won and the Cy Young. I, I'd be, I don't know if I would even be like, oh, I'm so impressed with him. I, I saw him do it last season. If he can do that over a 80-game stretch... He can do something similar over a 60-game stretch, for sure. I think this guy's a top pick for the Cy Young. If you're not trying to bet on the prototypical Scherzer-DeGrom guys, uh, vote, go for Flaherty. Now to close out, we're going to review what kind of happened in opening day. Opening day was yesterday, or the past two days. Like I was saying, Stanton and Judge look lethal. Stanton hit an absolute 460-foot bomb off of Max Scherzer to begin that Nationals-Yankees game. It really sucks, by the way, that game was shortened, because I don't know if you saw this. That was the most-watched baseball game in nine years. Nine years. Most-watched. Crazy. Those are the two perfect teams to represent that as well. Garrett Cole also shined in his Yankees debut. I'm not surprised. He's going to win the Cy Young. I don't need to talk about Garrett Cole anymore. My boy Max Muncy, he hit two home runs yesterday. I had I had this Dark Horse thing written down before he did that. Same with Shane Bieber. I think I'm just a psychic. But I also Kepler, Max Kepler, watch out for him. He hit multiple home runs yesterday too. He had a big day for the Twins, led him over a, vict a 10 to 5 victory over the White Sox. That Twins lineup. You got Mitch Garver, Miguel Sano, Luis Arias, Jorge Polanco, Josh Donaldson, 
Max Kepler, Eddie Rosario, Nelson Cruz, Byron Buxton. That is the best lineup in baseball. That's the best lineup in baseball. I'm going to say it right now. We also, I already talked about Bieber. As much as it frustrates me to tell to tell you, I think Kyle Hendricks is going to have a humongous year. He pitched a shutout. Nine strikeouts for Kyle Hendricks. That is uh that is a lot for him. He's not a strikeout pitcher. He didn't walk a single guy. He was Kyle Hendricks was perfect against the Brewers last night. He looked absolutely filthy. And Brewers, Christian Yelich is looking rough right now. Just saying. Christian Yelich looked horrible. Horrible in summer camp. He didn't look good last night either. If I were a Brewers fan, I wouldn't start worrying yet. But the, I, I wouldn't worry at all because you guys already know you're going to miss the playoffs. But it's a bit iffy. One last thing. Matt Olson is he is the heir apparent to Freddie Freeman for becoming the best first baseman in the league. I think in one to two years, he will be the top first baseman in the league. He is he's, He has so much pop in his bat. And when he hit that walk-off grand slam last night, he acted like he knew he was going to do that five minutes ago. He was so calm and collected. He just he mashed the ball, just stared at it, and ran around the bases like it was nothing. Matt, and the fact he's the best defensive first baseman in the league kind of helps this case too. Um, I hope you all enjoyed episode six of baseball ramble it's been a long time coming i'm i'm hoping to do this every tuesday and saturday today is saturday's episode i'm hoping to release an episode out on tuesday when school starts for me around august 4th that might that schedule might become a little iffy might change a little we'll see what happens but as of right now we're sticking to tuesdays and saturdays make sure you follow and turn on notifications for whatever you're using, whether you're subscribe, uh, whether you're on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or any other podcast app. If you're on YouTube, make sure you like and comment and subscribe. I don't mean to sound like a YouTuber; those are just the terms they use. I think this was a great first episode back, and I will see you all on Tuesday. Have a great day watching some more baseball.